please stand for the reading of the word? John 2, 13 through 17. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, and turned, them, and turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sowed doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? It's good to see you today. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason, the pastor. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to get to do that after service out in the, uh, in the hallway. But today, we are continuing our series called The Jesus Way, where what we're doing is we're uh, looking at seven stories, it leads us to Easter. We're looking at seven stories about the life of Jesus, experiences of Jesus, and the purpose of those stories is to help us learn what was important to Jesus. And if it was important to Jesus, we think it should be important to us. If it's the way Jesus did it, then um, it's the way we want to do it. And so today we're going to talk about making whips. And No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Uh, today we are talking about building the church. Building the church. We've talked about how Jesus ate with sinners. We talked about how Jesus blessed the children. Um, we've, 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 uh, last week, Pastor Katie did an amazing job of talking about how Jesus prayed and rested. And so we're trying, we want to be more like Jesus. We want to do the things Jesus did. And so this week, if we want to do what Jesus did, we have to spend some time talking about building the church. And we say all the time around here that church is not just a service that you attend, but it's a family that you belong to. It's not just a service you attend, but a family you belong to. And uh, the country singer Casey Musgraves has this, great song. Uh, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to read you the lyrics. Um, she says, family is family in church or in prison. You get what you get and you don't get to pick them. They might smoke like chimneys, but they'll give you, your ki give you their kidneys. You have friends come in handy, but family is family. And so that's what we're talking about today is family, church family. My hope is that all of us in the room, I mean, I am preaching to the choir to a certain extent because you're here, you're in church. So many of you serve in church, so many of you give in church. But my hope today is that uh, at least potentially there would be uh, a switch in your mentality and the way that you think. But I don't want you to just think I go to church. I want you to think I'm helping build the church. 
I don't just attend church, I build the church. I don't just go to church to get my needs met, I also am a part of a church so that I can help the church uh, meet its needs. I want to build the church. I want, I want my family to be the kind of family that prioritizes building the church. I wanna be the type of husband or wife or dad or man or, or, or woman or whoever you are, teenager, student. I wanna be the kind of person that when I look at all of the things in my life that I am passionate about, good things, all the things in my life that I prioritize, good things, all the things in my life I spend my money on, good things, that it would be obvious to anyone who's looking or even to myself who's analyzing and saying that what is important to me what is priority to me is, is the church, is the church of Jesus Christ. And I think that's our best place to start today. Based on the scriptures that we read, we see two things about Jesus. Um, the, the, the second story that we read, we see this statement from Jesus, which is something we got to start with. We can't rush over it, where Jesus said that he said, I will build my church. The church is not an American idea. It's not something somebody decided to do um, to, to, to build a platform. The church is God's idea. It's God's idea. It's Jesus's passion. And that was the first scriptures that we read where Jesus goes into the temple and he doesn't like what he sees, which lets us know that he does have a way that he wants us to do it. And he, he makes a whip and he drives them out and and as he's doing this, the scripture says the disciples remembered that one of the prophecies, one of the, the, the kind of predicting the future predictions about who the Messiah would be, would be, and they remembered the phrase, that passion for God's house will consume me. This is one of the ways that they knew who the Messiah was. One of the characteristics that they would know who God's Son, God sent, they would know who it is, is that passion for God's house would consume him. And so if you and I are gonna be like Jesus, passion for God's house should consume us. It should consume us. And you know, we spend a lot of time building a lot of things in our life. I was thinking this week about all the things that we work to build, good things. Like this is not one of those sermons where it's like guilt, you know, like you like football, but you won't come to church. Like no, none of that. I love football. So let's don't preach on that, okay? Um, but I was just thinking about all the things that we, we build and we work to build in our lives. You know, we, we, some of us have spent years, you know, saving or working to build our dream home. And you know, like if, you, if maybe you live in it, maybe you ha don't, haven't built it yet, but you know that when you're building a dream home, you are so particular about, you know, every little detail and what it would cost. And you're willing to go over budget if you need to because the cabinets, you know, got to be just right, you know. And, or maybe, you know, we've spent decades trying to build our career. And if you're trying to build your career, you know that, that you're willing to go the extra mile. You're willing to do what it takes. You're willing to, to stay a little later, get there a little earlier. A lot of us spend money and time trying to build our children's athletic ability, the one-on-one -on -one training, the trips, the travel, the commitments on the weekends. We try to build our reputation. We try to build our retirement account. 
And so here I am standing up here saying, and you need to build the church, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, and you need to build the church. I'm saying something way more aggressive and maybe potentially offensive than that. I'm saying that before you and I spend any of our time, any of our money, and any of our energy trying to build other things, first and foremost, after our faith in Jesus needs to be our passion for building his church, building his church. And the reason is because it was God's idea. The reason is because it's what Jesus said he wanted to build. And the church is the place where God's people gather together to be encouraged and to keep the faith. This is, this is the church. This is what we're talking about, the family of God. We're not talking about more activities, more obligations. We're talking about a place where you and I come together to be encouraged and to keep the faith. In the Old Testament, God used prophets and he used signs and wonders and, you know, uh, all kinds of really impressive ways that sometimes we can look at and think, man, I wish, I wish God would do that for me. And then in the Gospels, Jesus, God used Jesus' ministry to, to lead his people. But then after Jesus ascended to heaven, God's plan has been the church and he still uses prophets and he still uses signs and wonders. But us, you didn't think about it this morning when you got up and got dressed and got in your car and came to church. But you coming, you waking up and you coming here today and being here right now is as beautiful, important, and miraculous as any of the stories that you read in the Old Testament. You're like, well, man, I just woke up and, you know, came to church. Some of you, to get your young kids here, felt as miraculous as something in the Old Testament. But I want you to hear that. It's not, no, it's not a little thing that you're here. It's not no big deal that you made it. Because what you did today is you faithfully obeyed the will of God for your life to gather together. Now, there's lots of freedom in how we can do it, what days we can do it, how long we should do it. A lot of people do it differently. But what is non-negotiable is that you and I are a part of a place where we come together with other people who are believers and we are encouraged and we keep the faith. But even as I say all of that, we have to at least acknowledge the fact that at this time in history, statistically speaking, Church is less popular and less attractive than it's ever been before in history. I'm not making that up. Statistically, that's true. Post-World War II is the highest that church engagement, religious affiliation, and, and attendance is the highest it was after World War II. Now, leading up to where we are in America, it is the lowest attended, lowest engaged, lowest morale that it has ever been. And it would be easy maybe to get defensive about that or to get upset about that or take shots about the next generation or whatever. It's not helpful. But I think the, the biggest reason that people are not interested or not coming or not engaged, I think the biggest, most influential reason is because they've been hurt. Some of you, this is your story this morning. Like you, you could say like, I can't even believe I'm here, honestly, because I have such a traumatic, hurtful, painful experience in my past from someone in church. Maybe it was a, a leader who, 
you know, betrayed you or abused you or someone that you put your trust in that were hypocritical. Somebody took advantage of you. If we're going to talk about building the church, we have to at least acknowledge the fact that hurt is part of the church's history. It's part of the church's history. There's no shortage of church hurt stories out there. We even have people here at our church who have left because of some offense or some pain. And God has beautifully over the years uh, mended our hearts back together and they have come back and it's always a beautiful thing. But you probably have your stories and lots of people out there have their stories. And so I don't want to just rush over the the fact or uh, belittle the fact that if we're going to talk about building the church, we have to talk about our pain and our hurt with the church. And the reason that this is happening and the reason that so many people have, uh, have experienced this is because church is made up of people. You've probably heard the phrase before that if you're looking for a perfect church, like you'll never find one because that's where you go. That's where you attend, right? And this is so important to understand. God is not mean People are mean. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. The Bible is not hypocritical. People are hypocritical. And for some reason, God, who could have chosen any other way to establish his kingdom on earth, chose you and me. And you know you. I know me. Pastors and leaders who have fallen, Christians who have done us wrong. God chose to use people to establish his kingdom. Despite of all our failures and mistakes, God designed that the place for you to be most encouraged and keep the faith is gathered together with other people under leadership to keep the faith. And he drew us together supernaturally. It's not a coincidence that you're here. It's not a coincidence you live close to the church or that you drive by, you know, and you drove by for like five years driving to work and you never noticed, but then one day you noticed the sign and you thought, hmm, maybe I'll go try that out. And here you are. Or you live next to a neighbor who attends here or work at a desk next to somebody who comes here or you you, you Googled it and, and, and that listing stuck out to you. It's not a coincidence. God draws us together. The fact that you are here today is supernatural. Supernatural. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence that God has supernaturally drawn us together, but it gets better. He brings us together and he brings us together each with some contribution that we make that no one else could make like we could make it. And when I say that, don't get so particular. I think sometimes when we talk about, you know, gifts and talents and abilities that God gives us, we think we have to be like so particular, like, okay, my spiritual gift is like oil painting, okay? It's like, no, that's not what we're saying. We don't need a mural, okay? Like, that's not what we're asking for. But what I am saying is that if you are here, then that means God does have something that he wants you to do here because when you do it, it makes us who we're supposed to be. Something unique, something unlike any other church around or anywhere else because you're here. It's supernatural. The fact that we're assembled here today is a supernatural miracle and you have something that you contribute, your experiences, gifts, stories, 
And at some point, every Christian's mentality has to shift. At some point, you have to go from feeling as if the church is there to meet my need, and it is. We all meet God, for the most part, at the bottom. You come to church because you have a need, and it's a legitimate need, and God meets that need. But at some point, there has to be a shift for every Christian. And that shift is going from thinking primarily about meeting your need to thinking about what the church needs. And this is not just about the church. As I was thinking about some examples of this, I was thinking about um, marriage. When you decided you wanted to get married to someone, you were, that was based totally on selfish reasons. You were thinking about what they could do for you and what marriage would mean for you. And that's okay. That's what brought you to the table. But then you made a vow and you started being married to that person. And if you're still married, probably at some point there was a shift that happened in your mentality that said, okay, I realize now it's not so much what's in it for me, but it's what I can do for them. Or when you decided to have a baby, when you originally decided to have children, it was for totally selfish reasons. How it would make you feel to be a mom or a dad or, you know, being a part of a friend group that all have children or whatever. You wanted kids for something for you, and that's okay. But then you held that baby in your arms, and you weren't thinking about yourself that much anymore. You're thinking about what you could do for them. And this is part of spiritual maturity. That if we want to be like Jesus, ultimately we lay down our lives, we pick up our cross, we follow him. And following Jesus always includes building the church. Not just going to church. Not just having our needs met. But when it's all said and done, whenever that is, that we leave behind us a legacy that I was a part of a church, I contributed to a church, I sacrificed for a church, I prioritized a church, and I left it better than I found it. I left it better than I found it. And can I just be honest with you and let you know that as a pastor, I feel very insecure talking about this because I feel like this is what a pastor's supposed to say. I'm thinking about what you're thinking when I'm saying this, which is always dangerous. And if I were you, I would be thinking, well, yeah, that's what he's supposed to say because he's a pastor, but that's actually not true. It actually goes back farther than that, that the reason I'm a pastor is because I believed it. That I felt like God was calling me and saying, okay, Jason, what I want you to do is I want you to spend the rest of your life leading and building the church. And when you marry someone, because I felt called before I was married, that's going to be what you guys do together. And when you have children, that's what your family's going to do together. You're going to build the church. And so I'm up here, I, I, I use the product. I'm up here telling you that the reason I'm so passionate about this is because it's the reason I decided to do what I do with my life. And you don't have to be a pastor to feel that way, but at some point for every Christian, there has to come a moment where we say, I'm not in this for myself anymore. You know, you can't even totally understand the Lord's prayer if you still are thinking about following Jesus by yourself because he says, give 
us our daily bread. Forgive us. Lead us. What's he talking about? The church, the believers. And so I want to try to be as helpful as I can, as practical as I can for you today. And so I'm going to kind of just rapid fire for the time that I have left. I want to just give you five ways that all of us in the room, no matter our age, marital status, ethnicity, five ways that all of us can build the church. The first way that all of us can build the church is through prayer. It's through prayer. Jesus ascends to heaven, the book of Acts, after the Gospels, the book of Acts begins to catalog and write about the history of the beginning of the church, the day of Pentecost, and the apostles, and church planting. And over and over and over and over again, what you find is the foundational pillars of the church is believers coming together and before anything else, just praying, just praying. This is, this is what God meant when he said, not by might not, nor by power, but my, my spirit says the Lord. This is, he, he, what he's implying in the Old Testament when he was giving that statement is that, is that I build it. It's my church. I, I'm building it. But the way that we participate in it, first and foremost, is through prayer. Most of you don't know this, but for many, many, many years, um, at different seasons, our church has had someone praying and fasting every day, 365 days a year, for you, for your family, for our church, for our leaders. At different seasons, we felt led to have a team of people behind the scenes praying for our church and fasting for our church. And I was reminded of this recently because, you know, we had some really tough years as a church, different things, different challenges we were facing. I know as, for the, as the pastor, there were seasons I was so discouraged, thinking that we kept bumping into walls and closed doors. And, and in the last several months, so many good things have happened. And I've had people say, you know, how are you doing? How's it going? And my answer lately has been, it's going so good, I'm getting nervous. You know what I'm talking about? It's like five good things in a row, and you're like, okay, the other shoe's got to drop at some point. And the Christians, we're just so crazy like this. It's like we pray and we pray and we pray and pray, and then God starts answering prayers, and we're like, whoo, man, something bad's about to happen. But if I'm being honest with you, that's kind of how I felt. And I had somebody, one of our elders reminded me, well, you know, we have been praying and fasting every day for years and years and years. And I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. We don't... Anything good that you point to in this church, yes, people are serving, yes, people are giving, but first and foremost, it's because the Spirit of God is building His church. Building His church. And so I just want to encourage you, pray. Pray for our church, pray for the community that we're in, pray for our leaders, pray, pray for our pastor. Somebody texted me yesterday morning and said, I just felt led to pray for you, just wanted you to know I was praying for you. I just texted back all caps, thank you, exclamation point. Pray, pray for my kids, pray for our team, pray for my wife, pray for the schools around us, pray for us as we raise money to do this renovation, pray for our contractors. I mean, just if anything that you feel led to pray about for our church, just pray for it. If it comes to mind, just pray for it, just pray for it. When we have times where we get together for prayer nights on Thursday nights or Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, show up and pray, show up and pray, just pray. 
And, and, and so often, as we start to pray, we, we start out praying with one agenda, but if we'll just keep praying, the Holy Spirit helps us and we end up praying for what we're supposed to be praying for. But we just gotta start praying. We gotta start praying. And this is something that all of us can do. No one is exempt from this. We wanna build the church. We wanna be a church of prayer. Church of prayer. The second thing that we can do if we wanna build the church is holiness. Holiness. This is a word that we don't use as much it's okay that we don't use it as much. Some of you grew up in churches where this may have been in the title of the church name. But really, it just, it's taken, obviously, from the word holy, and holy just means set apart. And so when people talk about holiness, what they mean is someone who lives a life set apart or different from the world around them. That's where Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world. And if you're here and you have baggage attached to this word because of something that was, some, you know, guilt or shame that were put onto you, I apologize. I'm asking you just to set that to the side because here's what I mean by it. I mean that the best thing that you can ever do to build the church, build the reputation of the church is to be who you say you are. And the worst thing you can do to the reputation of the church is tell somebody that you go to church and then not be who you say you are. And it would be easy to take shots, and I've, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All of us are hypocritical. All of us. All of us have bad days. All of us lose our temper. I'm not talking about struggling. I'm talking about not taking our faith seriously. And for the love of God, please don't tell people you go to Hope City Church and then be a jerk to people. Pick a different church name. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. But there are people around you right now in your life who they're hungry. They're searching. And they don't even know they're hungry or searching. But something is unsettled in their soul. And they're looking for their bearings. And if the person that they think is the, is, is, is the most legitimate, the person they think believes what they believe the most, if that person believes in, you know, uh, hot yoga, then guess what they're going to go try because they're searching, hot yoga. If that person believes in the Iron Man, then guess what they're going to do? Train for the Iron Man. But if that person believes in Jesus and the church, guess where they're going to be? Jesus and the church. Because they're just searching. They don't know. But they know you. And you're one of the few people who seems to really actually believe and live what you say is so important to you. And this is at the essence of holiness. And so we pray, we try to live holy lives. Let me give you a third one. Third is, is service. I don't mean church service, I mean acts of service. This is something all of us can do. There's something that you can do that makes us stronger and better. There is something that you can do. And again, I said this earlier, but don't get so particular. Usually what happens is we say like, well, I can't preach or I can't teach I can't give a lot of money, so it doesn't really matter what I do, but that's not true. Whatever you feel like you are good at or whatever you feel like you can contribute, you think everyone in the world is good at that or can contribute that, but that's not true. Pastor Joe gave the example of the, of the team that was at South Louisville Ministries yesterday that someone has a gift, a real gift of seeing a mess and knowing how to organize it. 
I can take any cord in a wrapper, unwrap it, and tangle it. That's my gift. I can tangle any cord you've already untangled. Just give me three seconds. I, I don't have the gift of organization. I don't think about organization. I don't walk into a mess and think, how could I clean this up? I step over it. But people who like are naturally good at organizing things are like, well, I mean, everybody wants to clean up a mess. No, they don't. They do not. And so there were people yesterday who were using their gifts, their talent. You know, that's not a talent. Trust me, it's a talent. Their ability. Helping South Little Community Ministries. Some of you, you don't even think it's a gift, but you are not nervous or afraid to talk to strangers. That's a gift. That's a talent. You're kind, you're hospitable, you're helpful. Some of you notice problems. Somebody came to me this morning and said, they, well, never mind, I'm not going to say that. But they found a problem. And they just wanted to be helpful. And I just said, could you help us with that? But, but even in that, even in the way that you see things and can notice problems, it's a gift. Use it for God. Use it for God. And so God brings all of us together as believers. And if you do what you can do, and I'm not saying everything's in your comfort zone. I'm not saying everything's in your sweet spot. But I'm saying there's some things you could do. And you do that, and then these people do that, and then these people do that, and then these people do that. And what begins to happen is the church begins to flourish. Church begins to be built. So we serve. Let me give you another way. Everybody can do it. All these things, everybody can do. Number four is generosity. Generosity. God doesn't need your money, but the church does. Faith does not pay the utility bill. And God created a system for his church that he loved, that was his idea, and the system was Christians giving to it. It's profound, right? And yes, God promises to bless generous people. And yes, God is so good that when we just obey and do what he says to do, our life gets better in some way. But at the end of the day, we give because God says to give. And we give through his church and, and we are responsible. We stand before God as stewards of that money that is given one day. We stand before God and we say, God, this is how we used what was given to build your church, to reach people. This is why we did it. So through tithes and offerings, and so many of you faithfully give and recurring giving and text giving and all the ways through the app and all the things, so many of you faithfully give. And you think, well, yeah, you know, my mom and dad just told me to do that, so that's what I do. No, 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 it's a miracle. You're obeying God. You're trusting God. Some of you have just started taking that step it's a miracle, it's supernatural, and it's God's plan. And so I wanna encourage you, if you're here and you would say, man, I love this church. This church is benefiting my life. This church is blessing my life. Begin to pray and ask God, God, how can I, if I look at all the things I'm trying to build in my life, how could my finances, if what Jesus said is true and it is, that, the, that wherever the treasure is, that's where my heart is. God, help me to, to funnel my money towards building your church. 
building your church. Let me give you one more. We can all do these. How do we build the church? Number five, presence. Presence. And by presence, I just mean the simple act of showing up. Just showing up. You have no idea how much your presence makes a difference. You're like, oh, Jason, it's not, it's no, nobody even notices when I'm here. That's not true. That's not true. You have no idea how your smile encourages someone. A handshake, a fist bump, a hug, your worship. You have no idea how much it helps someone, encourages someone, elevates their faith. Makes a difference. Just, just being here. You make a decision, you make a commitment. Here's what I've learned about my life is that, you know, I can always come up with reasons or things always seem to come up for the things that are, non, are not non-negotiable in my life. And so I'm encouraging you to make being here as much of a priority as you can. Because when you're here, we are better. When you're here, God's church is stronger. People are more encouraged. People's faith are lifted. People's faith are lifted just because you show up. And so we pray, we live the best we can live, we serve, we give, we show up because we believe the church is the answer. We believe that God's plan is the church, that when he returns, he will return for his church. It's the church. It's the answer to the world. You wanna make a community better? Put a good church in the community. You wanna make schools better? Put a good church in the community. You wanna help marriages and families? Put a great church in the community. And, and God has brought us to this place together to be that light to this place. And we're gonna do it together. We're gonna do it together. And so I, I wanna, we're gonna do two things to end. Um, one, I wanna just... Um, challenge you. And then two, we're going to pray together. But first, I want to challenge you because I think you know, our church has really grown over the last even just few weeks, the excitement of the move and more people showing up. And, and so I was thinking last night as I was just kind of thinking about my message and praying about my message, I was thinking about the different kinds or categories of people in the room. I began to think about a certain group of people who you're here, but you're hiding. And I get it. You know, Andrew and I joke all the time, like if we were not pastors, you know, we would, we would visit a church and like she would, you know, join the praise team in between services. And I would, you know, take about three years probably to get involved somewhere. Just personalities. So I got, listen, if you're hiding, we understand it. You come in a little bit late, you sit towards the back or somewhere and you, you get, you know, we, we don't even know who you are because, you, you know, you get to your car so fast. And we try. But we made a commitment a long time ago as a church. We're not going to pressure people. We're going to trust the Holy Spirit. We want you to engage. But if, but if you're here and you've been coming for a little while, but you would say, look, the truth is I'm hiding. Here's what I'm asking you to let us do. Will you let us love you? Let us love you. I had somebody come up to me after the first service. Never met him before. He comes up. He shakes my hand. He said, hey, my name's, gave me his name. I've been hiding. Just wanted to say Hey. I said, dude, I got it. I got it. Put it in my phone. Got it. So just take a step. 
just take one small step. For some of you, that small step may be counting to 60 before you sprint to your car, all right? And just see if somebody comes up and says, hey. Maybe it's signing up for a group. Maybe it's coming to hope you. I don't know what it is, but you're hiding and you know you're hiding. And I just want to encourage you, come out from hiding and let us love you. We'll be better for it and you'll be better for it. But maybe you're here and you're hurting. Maybe you have that church hurt story. You know, we've learned about Hope City over the years that we are a great place to heal. We're a great rebound church. We've heard stories over the years. And so if you're here and you're hurting, I get it. Totally understand. And, and all that I ask is that you would let us help you. Let us pray with you. Let us give you a hug. Let us encourage you. Let us know where you are. There'll be no pressure. We're not wanting to throw you back into the fire of ministry or serving or volunteering. We want you to take the time that you need to heal. But at some point, we want to help you get back in the game. Get back in the game. God still has more for you. That's not gonna throw in the towel. Somebody hurt you. All churches are not perfect. Somebody did you wrong. We get it. But we wanna help you heal. And when the time's right, we wanna help you get back in the game. Some of you, I would say, another category is you would say, you know, I'm here sometimes. Not as much as I'd like to be, but I'm here and I get it, but my encouragement to you would be, would you take the next four or five, six weeks, and would you just make a commitment, like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of test God a little bit, I'm just gonna show up for the next six weeks. Every week, I'm gonna be there. I just wanna see what's gonna happen in my life. I believe it'll get better. But your life won't just get better, our church will get better, because you're here. And so not just coming, you know, once every six, you know, six weeks or eight weeks or three months or Christmas, Easter, New Year's, like everybody's welcome anytime, but, but we just want to encourage you, like, will you, will you make a faithful, don't come to church like I exercise. <laughs> I exercise often enough to be sore after every exercise. <laughs> sore, don't want to go back, motivated to go back, sore again. That's, that's, don't attend church that way. Okay, attend church like somebody who gets that runner's high. Like I can't wait to go run, right? And then lastly, there are people here you'd say, I don't know where I'm at. I'm not hiding. I don't, I'm not hurting necessarily. I, yeah, I just don't, I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know how I got here, honestly. And our, 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 I'm just asking you, just come back. Just hang out. This is a great place to hang out while God's working on you, even if you don't know what he's doing. Just come back. My favorite stories around here are those people who say, you know what, I don't even really know how, but, but like I can't believe, now five years later, I, I never would have thought I'd have been here. I can't believe I'm coming to church on a Sunday morning. I used to sleep till like two in the afternoon on Sunday morning because Saturday night was so crazy. I can't believe that I'm teaching a preschool class. Are you kidding me? Just come back. Just come back next week and see what God might do. I want us to build the church I want us to leave it better than we found it. Somebody left it for us. I want to leave it for somebody else better than we found it, stronger than we found it. This community better than when we showed up. I believe God will help us.
And so the last thing that I want us to do, because I've been spending all my time today talking about our church, but I want to make sure you know that it's not just our church, that we belong to the church. The church, you can kind of use church in two ways. You know, our church is Hope City Church. It's kind of a the gathering of those of us who want this particular place to be our home. But we are also a part of something way bigger and way older than Hope City Church. We're part of the church. Technically speaking, technically, every Christian in the world goes to the same church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. There are different styles, different reasons you go to this one and not that one. That's fine. There's no need in arguing about it. Just pick the one you like. But technically speaking, we all go to the same church. And this morning, there are hundreds of millions of people who have faith in Jesus Christ who are singing songs, taking communion, praying together. And we are a part of that. And so I thought what would be a fitting way to end this message today would be to just take a few moments and to pray for the churches around us. It's easy to say that we're not in competition, but it really is true. We're not in competition. If every lost person on this side of town decided to come to church and to, and to put their faith in Jesus, we don't have enough seats. We'd fill up every church and need 300 more. And so it's not a competition. And we, want, we don't just want to build our church. We want to build the church. We want to build the church. And so I asked Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe did a little research this week. They're going to put a list up on the screen for you. These are the churches that in some way we are somehow connected to within four miles of our place. Valley View, Southeast, On Fire, Life Church, Antioch, Fairdale, Hillsdale, Hazelwood, Sojourn, Carlisle, Cornerstone, Prairie Village, Grace Church. There are more than these churches within a four-mile radius, of course, but these are just the ones that we could somehow draw a line to in some way. And so here's what I'd like for us to do. Could we stand together, band? You guys can go ahead and come on up. But I'm gonna pray for our sermon and we're gonna have communion and prayer. But while we're doing that, if you guys will leave that up on the screen for me, while we're doing that, I would love for us to just take a few moments and to just pray for, for God's church and pray that every one of the churches on that screen grows, reaches people, have the resources that they need, that every pastor of every church on that list would be growing and healthy, his marriage would be healthy, his children would Love Jesus. Whatever comes to your heart and your mind to pray, I'm just asking you to pray. And I'm asking you to pray out loud. As the church, we're going to pray together. And then when I'm done praying, communion will be set up. Prayer team will come forward and we can continue on with our service. But let's pray together right now. God, I just pray for every church on this screen right now, God. I pray for Valley View. I pray for Southeast. I pray for On Fire. 
Life Church, Pastor Pat. God, I pray for every name on that list right now. God, I pray that even as they are meeting right now, if they're still in service, God, I pray that in some way the Spirit would make known to them that, that we love them, that we are partnering with them, that we are praying for them, that we want their success, God. God, I pray that their, their buildings would be full with people who need to meet Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the marriages and the families there. God, I pray for every pastor of those churches. God, I just pray that they would not be discouraged, that their head would not hang low, but they would be full of faith and full of vision for what you're wanting to do for, for South Louisville, for this side of town, God. I pray for their families. I pray for the staff and the elders, God. God, I pray that you would knit our hearts together. I pray for the schools that we could reach on this side of town. God, I pray for the families that we could reach, for the sports leagues that we could reach, for the government workers that we could have influence with, God. God, I pray that you would bless Hope City Church, God, but don't just bless Hope City Church. God, I pray that you would bless your church, the church, especially in the south side of Louisville. And God, we would see something significant happen because your hand is blessing the kingdom of God all around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. amen.